Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sports with Shibs podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Shibilski, a.k.a. Shibs, and let's get right into the first topic on the day. Hi and welcome back to the Sports with Shibs podcast. Now, before we get into the first topic on the day, I am joined by a special guest, Colin. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. We're always looking for uh, new involvement and new topics to get started. So today we're starting off with the NFL. We have six teams remain undefeated, the Bills, Chiefs, Dolphins in the AFC, and the Giants, Eagles, Buccaneers in the NFC. And that means that there's seven teams that remain winless, the Titans, Raiders, Texans, Panthers, Bengals, Colts, and Falcons. Now, one team I'm shocked that's not on there for winless is the Jets. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. This early, really? You're going to do me like that? Just a little bit. So if you do not know, Colin is a New York, New York fan. So Jets, uh, Yankees, and the, the Knicks. Knicks, yeah. But, I mean, I'm going to be honest. That Browns win, we deserve that. Like, we didn't just squeak that by. Like, we came back. We were down by, like, 14 at one point. So, seeing them come back in the fourth, seeing Joe Flacco back in his prime was a little cool. Well, yeah, and they were down, uh, like you said, by 14 with, like, a minute 50 to go. And they yeah. came back in under two yeah. minutes. Uh, so, that was pretty cool to see Joe Flacco come back. But let's take a look at the undefeated team. So, in the AFC, we have Bills, Chiefs, and Dolphins. Uh, do any of those teams shock you? Mm, not really. Honestly, I could see the Dolphins being 2-0 and because they had a pretty easy start to the schedule, and Tua's looked pretty good. And I also think the addition of Tyreek Hill is, you know, obviously going to help them. But what about you? What do you think are the contenders and pretenders in the AFC that are undefeated teams? Um... Picking from these three, I would say contenders are Bills for sure. Yep, I would I would have to say pretenders are Dolphins. Okay, why and is that? I, well, uh, looking back, uh, just I don't think Tua can manage an entire season. Mm-hmm. He always seems to start off hot and then go down on a spiral some way or another. And is he going to be able to rely on Tyree Kill for a whole year like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What do you think of Mike McDaniel? How do you think he's... I think he's been doing great for right now. I think he's been managing the Dolphins pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, he has to remember that it's not about offense. Because they did win against the Ravens on a shootout. Yeah, They used basically their entire offense in that game. Waddle and Tyree Kill along with yeah. Tua. And defense, remember the saying, defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Bills' defense, and this is why I think they're a contender, their defense has been solid. Yeah, significantly better than the Dolphins. But they play this weekend, so that will be – who do you think is going to win that game? Well, looking back, and uh, I don't want to spoil, but I do have the Bills winning. Okay. Uh, but that So that would be for my Friday episode where I pick the teams, and I do have the Bills winning. Uh, against the Dolphins this week. I just think that they're more solidly built overall. Mm -hmm. Now, what about the NFC? Because the NFC East has two undefeated teams right now in the Eagles and the Giants, and then the NFC South has the Buccaneers. Which one of those do you think are contenders, and which ones do you think are pretenders? So I think that contenders out of those three are Buccaneers and Eagles. Okay. But pretenders are Giants. Why? I just, 
again, Saquon, he's a question mark. He starts off hot always every year, and he either gets injured or he starts losing production value. And the Giants really don't have any receivers that stand out yet. Mm-hmm. And I, if they would have a star receiver that could stand out, like if if Kadarius Tony really goes off this year yeah. and becomes that guy for the Giants, I just don't see the Giants becoming a contender just yet. And plus, like you said, with two teams in the NFC East, the Eagles look look really good. Yeah, they do. They do. They have weapons all across the board. Their defense has looked great. And Jalen Hurts is playing unbelievable in his yeah. second year. He's only getting better. He, right. And with the addition of A.J. Brown, yeah, it, it's just crazy to see those two working chemi- chemically together right now. Mm-hmm. And there was actually something I saw where it's like it compared A.J. Brown and Megatron stats. And they were and AJ Brown stats in his first like four seasons were already better than Megatron. Yeah, but that's another thing. Can he hold up with that? Yeah, for a whole career. Yeah, that's true. Megatron was a different beast though. Megatron was like six five, two thirty. So he was he was a different breed. And then the Buccaneers. I mean, can you go wrong with Tom yeah. Brady? Like that's. It'll be interesting to see how they do without Mike Evans against the Packers uh, for Sunday though. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to hear your input on this. So the Giants, the Giants have a good chance to start the season four and zero because this weekend they play the Cowboys, and then the weekend after that they play the Bears, and those are two very like possible like chances to win. Yeah, those are gettable wins. Yeah. So if they go four and zero at the beginning of the season, do you still think the Eagles are going to win that division? I think so. You do? I think so. The only issue I have is that the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. Coming into the game now, as uh, the backup QB, yeah. he looked really good against did, the Bengals. Yeah, he did, but the Cowboys are like all mangled and they don't know like where they're going. Like their season is pretty much over already. Really, it's you think the, that? I do. I do think that. Why do you think that? I mean, Dak is out for five to six weeks. You start the season one and one. I mean, your receivers look okay. Zeke still gets like 30 carries a game and only gets about 50 yards. And Pollard. So, yeah. Pollard and Zeker. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't think the Cowboys are really all there yet. I think they need one more piece, and I think that would be an offensive weapon of some sort. Or if CD could take that big leap, then, yeah, maybe. But, yeah, I, th- I, I, I somewhat agree with that, but it's the Cowboys. Like yeah. their history and their uh, fan involvement and mm-hmm. just the name – speaks for itself where they're gonna not they're not gonna be the bottom team in that yeah. division. But they're becoming a meme. Like everybody talks about every season, you know, the Cowboys are gonna, you know, be horrible again and Well, especially this season where they lose Amari Cooper, they trade him away mm-hmm. and they don't add another receiving weapon to help yeah. CeeDee Lamb. And, and then you have Dak gets hurt. And Galladay's out yeah. for a couple more weeks. So it, it just it's starting to align where the Cowboys are looking to be at the bottom of the division, but I don't think they're at the bottom, bottom yeah. yet. And the defense is is interesting too because you look at Diggs and like at the beginning of last season, everyone was like, "Oh, he's going to be the next big corner," and then like his numbers like slowly started to decline, and he didn't you know get as many picks or you know started giving up touchdowns. And like Sean Lee retiring like a couple of years ago was like they took a big hit from that. Like he was a veteran on the team. And they needed him for, like, you know, locker room support and all that. But, like, I mean, I guess if you bring in Micah Parsons, like, people are saying he's going to win the defensive player of the year this year. But, yeah, and, and looking at Parsons, though, like, to pair with him, they still have Leighton Vanderesh, who was yeah. taught by Sean Lee. Yeah, that's true. So he, he fills that middle 
uh, gap. And really, I think that Leighton Vander Esch is going to be the next Sean Lee for that team. Mm-hmm. He'll just be a monster on yeah. that defense for years to come. Just loyal. Yeah. Just, yeah, exactly, loyal. Yeah. That's a great word to describe him. So that was a little recap on the NFL of undefeated and winless teams. And then moving on to our second topic on the day, the Suns owner Sarver has officially started looking for potential buyers of the Suns and Mercury franchises. And I have to just say first that it's about time. Yeah. Because obviously with the news that has come out about him, uh, I've mentioned this before in other episodes where uh, he's just a terrible human, really. Uh, A racist uh, to start off. And then uh, workplace misconduct, obviously, and misogynistic remarks. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, it's about time that he finally puts it up for sale. Do you think he was pressured into uh, putting it up for sale from the athletes that have responded? Yeah, I do. And it's it's honestly just really sad to see this because this isn't the first time that this has happened in the NBA. We had the Donald Sterling situation with the LA Clippers or – at the time, but um, it's just, like I said, it's just really frustrating and sad to see this. And he said, as a man of faith, I believe in the path to forgiveness, and I expect that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. And it just seems like a half-ass apology. Yeah, it really does. Uh, you're looking for something more heart- heartfelt than uh... – than just a cookie-cutter yeah. apology, really. Mm-hmm. And just like, I'm going to sell the team, so I hope this is, you know, how I can be forg- you know, forgiven. But Well, I think one thing that he could do to, to try and get forgiveness is donate to charity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, when he does sell the team, when it is put up for sale and someone does uh, buy it, he could easily donate half of what he earned from it to uh, charities. Yeah. And going along with the misogynistic comments, he was, you know, involved in instances of, you know, conduct towards sexual female employees, which is also, you know, a horrible thing. Yeah, and it's it's sad because you don't see this in the NBA often. There's not a lot of uh, NBA remarks with it, but Mm -hmm. in the NFL, it's basically free game. And Goodell seems to never do anything about it. Uh, This summer, there's been two reports, uh, obviously the big one being Daniel Snyder of the Commanders. Yeah. And it seems like uh, he just got like a little slap on the wrist and it seems like it's been forgiven already because the Deshaun Watson case really took over the NFL that, that off season. And then when people started to uh, get sick of it, they just threw in Daniel Snyder right yeah. away. And then that kind of like covered up the fact that Deshaun Watson, what he's done is way worse, but it, it doesn't matter. I think every uh, issue like this is equal. I think mm-hmm. it's, all equal, really. Yeah. And he bought the team for around $400 million in 2004. And it's now like worth, the Suns are worth probably like $2 billion, $2.5 billion. So it begs the question, like how long do you think it'll take for him to sell this team? That does, it's a good question actually, because you have to look at the fact of they lost Aiton. Yeah. And then you have to look at the fact of, well, they still have a young superstar mm-hmm. in uh, Devin Booker. And then, you, and then you have to think about, like, what does that owner want to do with the team? Yeah. Are they going to be contenders? And are they going to – or are they going to go in a rebuild mode? Those are questions that uh, are going to be posed once it does get sold. 
And the other thing is, is even though he's officially looked for potential suitors to buy the Suns and Mercury, because he's selling off both franchises, does the person that wants to buy, do they buy both? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Like, I don't know. If you have the money, I think you do. But if you don't, then you can't. Well, yeah, especially like right now because uh, WNBA is getting a lot more publicity yeah. right now. Like we covered, I covered a little bit about the Aces winning the championship. Yeah. But if you look on Instagram or Twitter, like that was like the story of the night was just posts about them winning. And, and then in 30 minutes, they released the MVP of it. So they're getting, they're starting to get more publicity right now. Mm-hmm. And I think right now would be the time to buy. But you could also wait a little bit and buy it when the season starts because that's when yeah. the value is the highest. It just ended, so not many people are going to be interested in you know the off season. So I think you're right with buying it at the beginning of the season. So, but yeah, so that's a little update on uh, the Suns owner uh, and Mercury owner uh, Sarver, and then staying with uh, a broad variety of sports here, Canada is likely to end their vaccine requirements to enter the country at the end of September. Uh, This comes at pretty good timing, actually, in my opinion, because NBA season is starting up soon, and then uh, hockey season is on the rise as well. So really for Canada, this comes out as a uh, well-timed ending of their vaccine requirements. So that's just a little update on uh, COVID in Canada and the vaccine requirements. And then moving on to more MLB, after retiring at 10 years in the MLB, Giants former catcher Buster Posey is joining the ownership team. And Colin, you actually met Buster Posey. How is he? He's a very good guy. He's very down to earth. And he's not like you would think he would be, like stuck up or, you know, full of himself. He's a very humble guy. He's just an all-around just good dude. So, Does it come to a shock to you that he wants to join the ownership team? No, not at all. He was a seven-time All-Star, and, you know, he won three World Series with the Giants. So he has a big part in their whole franchise and organization. So this did not surprise me one bit, seeing that he wanted to, you know, do something with that after retirement. Yeah, and when he retired, it came to me as a shock because – for most of his MLB career, he was an all-star. And almost half of his career, he was a World Series champion, a third of it, to, to be exact. So it came as a shock to me. But because you see these catchers that last in the MLB like 18, 20 years, yeah. and for him to retire at 10 was uh, pretty uh, star-struck, awestruck, whatever you want to use there. I was just very shocked that he wanted to retire so soon. Yeah, like seeing Yadier Molina play, you know, like 18, 19, 20 seasons is crazy. And Buster Posey was still hitting like mid-300s when he retired. And he was, you know, getting still, you know, really good stats. Like he had 56 RBIs like in his last season. So by no means was he washed or, you know, bad at any stage of his career. Right. And even with that, with a couple scares at home plate, do you think that took a part in him retiring early? Um. A little bit. I think it also had to do with a lot of – he's been through a lot of injuries his whole career. And, you know, I don't think he's had, like, a full season since 2014, 2015. So, in a way, I guess I'm not surprised that he retired, but also, you know, surprised at the same time. 
Right. And yeah, like, uh, like you said, you listed his credentials. He's been a great player for the Giants. Uh, big, big part of their uh, early 2010s run with the World Series and everything. They really ran the show uh, in the 2010s, uh, being that dynasty that they were, and him just being a big part of that team, like you said, doesn't really shock me as well that he wants to join ownership and uh, carry on as a giant uh, without playing. So Posey uh, joins the Giants ownership team. And then for a reoccurring topic on here, uh, me, a big golf fanatic, Greg Norman lobbies for Liv, and he gets mixed emotions from politicians during his congressional visit. Now, uh, this kind of poses to me as a, a red flag because Norman obviously wants Liv to be uh, the next big thing of golf. And if he's getting mixed emotions from congressional and from politicians, it's not sitting well. Uh, most politicians like the casual, the laid back, the PGA, the more formal golf. And Greg Norman has been promoting this uh, circus absurd kind of golf. Uh, that's actually why LIV stands for. Uh, it stands for 54 in Roman numerals because that's how many holes they play. They don't play the standard 72 holes like a regular uh, PGA Tour event. And it's uh, it's good that people are a little skeptical on it still uh, because, like, you guys know my opinion on this. Uh, I don't really like the Live Tour, and I've never been a big fan of it. I'm that standard PGA uh, guy. So a little update from Greg Norman and uh, – how he lobbied for uh, the live tour at a congressional visit. And then moving on to some UFC, the UFC signs a 17 year old fighter, Raul Rosas Jr. And this is the youngest signing in history of the UFC. During his interview, he vowed to become UFC champ by age 20. Uh, Colin, what's your input on this? Um, I think it's really good that they're bringing in like young talent. And I think this shows that people are starting to, I mean, these are grown men in the UFC. So seeing a child, like not even an adult in the UFC is big. And, you know, he got the contract after he won the match in Dana White's contender series. And Dana said that he's special. He's different. He's not, you know, like anything he's ever seen before. And we've heard that a lot in the past with guys but I think that Dana's right about this guy. I think that Raul is going to be a little different. Yeah, and it, it's uh like you said, it's cool to see like younger fighters getting added because well, obviously with the NBA, uh, they just came out and are looking to lower the age eligibility again to 18. So you're seeing a lot of uh, sports go down in the age gap. I think the only sport you can't switch that age gap is the football, is the NFL, because if you throw in some 18-year-old kid into the NFL, he's, he's probably going to get eaten alive out there. Yeah. But with, with UFC being uh, such a hot topic right now, especially the last two to three years, it's been on a steady increase in viewership. So this could be a way to market uh, more towards the younger generation as well because they've been doing that uh, marketing towards younger generations right now. And it's cool to see that a 17-year-old is getting a contract now. Yeah, and I love the confidence that he has. He said that he's going to win a championship by 20. And the youngest winner right now was John Jones at 23. So if he can do that, 
that would be something else. That would be otherworldly if you can win by age 20. And even if he gets it by 21 or 22, it's still very impressive. Yes, very impressive. So, yeah, that's a little update on uh, UFC current signing. Uh, uh, Raul Rosas Jr., remember the name. And now, introducing the stat of the day. And then for today's stat of the day, Aaron Judge is the sixth MLB player in history to join the 60 home run club and is the third Yankee to join that feat. He is right up there with Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. And now for the final rundown on the day. Mayweather and McGregor are looking at a rematch, uh, hoping for 2023. Trey Lance is officially on the IR, and the 49ers add Kurt Benkert to their practice squad. Rams tight end Bryson Hopkins has been suspended for the next three games. Joe Hayden signs a one-day contract with the Browns and officially announces his retirement. And then on this day in sports history in 1991, the USA announces its dream team for the Olympics. And on this day in sports history in 1997, Cecil Fielder hits his 300th career home run. And then going over a little recap on the day, we talked about the uh, undefeated teams and the winless teams. We had uh, a reoccurring uh, Suns ownership uh, fiasco. We talked about Canada. Uh, hopefully to lift its ban on the vaccine requirements. Uh, we talked a little bit about Buster Posey joining the Giants' ownership. We talked about Greg Norman and his live tour uh, congressional visit. The UFC signs a 17-year-old fighter. And then we had one play of the day, one stat of the day. So thank you, Colin, for joining me today. Uh, it was fun to have you on the episode. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And we'll probably see more Colin in the future. He'll probably be a recurring guest on here, hopefully weekly, if that works for his schedule. But anyway, thank you for listening to the Sports with Ships podcast. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Dylan Shibbs Shabilski, signing off for the day. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And don't forget to join me again tomorrow for more sports different topics and reoccurring topics.